This is a Spirit of Truth Radio Network original program. For eight years, my guest was the co-host of EWTN's Life on the Rock. He has been a speaker at countless men's conferences and is a social media warrior. Joining me along the way, some spiritual, mental, and physical combat basic training is the host of EWTN's Battle Ready, Doug Barry. Hey, man, I got I to gotta really uh, start this conversation off with an apology and a, and a thank you. Um, when you left EWTN's Life on the Rock, right. your message became very dire. And as somebody who had kind of lost faith in politics and, and I, I kind of pulled away and, and I wasn't ready for the fight. I, I, I wanted to just bury my head in the sand. Mm-hmm. But with all the civil unrest that's going on in this country and, you know, and our religious freedoms under attack, your message began to ring true to me. So you're kind of like the Paul Revere of, of the Catholic faith, or, or I think you'd rather be William Dawes because he, he actually made it through. But <laughs> yeah. Doug, you've been ringing the bell for men to be men and to be battle ready. Right. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, um, after 30 years, it's been going on 31 years now of, of doing ministry work in general, traveling around the country and outside the country, and been very, very fortunate, very blessed to meet incredible people, have great experiences, you know, work with EWTN uh, and many other Catholic organizations and outfits. Uh, about 10, 11 or so years ago, uh, I started to really realize more deeply than ever before that the times were demanding and calling out for men to be of a different caliber. A lot of good men out there, but good isn't cutting it anymore. It needs to be heroically great. And we see that in a few different areas in, you know, different aspects of of Catholic manhood. Only a handful of bishops, only a a few cardinals, you know, only several lay people that you can point to maybe who seem to be pointing out certain key things that are so critical and essential right now that we've just kind of let slip away. And I thought to myself, um, you know, if we don't really wake this up at its root, at its core, especially in the area of the family, uh, husbands, fathers in particular, then there may be no turning back and we're just going to have to deal with, well, we're going to have to deal with the chastisements anyway that, you know, the Blessed Mother has said are coming. And I speak only of, of church approved apparitions, but I talk a lot about that and I have for many years now. But I turned to my son one day walking through the office at home, and I said, we need to do something, find something to wake up that, that something in men, that fighting spirit, that, that King, I call it the King David DNA. You know, that's something that says, I'll take on the giant and I'll trust God, but I'll use my skills and talents. It's a, it's a cooperate with God's grace type of thing, but you have to participate in that by taking your gifts and talents and, and train, prepare, and so forth. And I said to my son, we need to be ready for that fight, need to be ready for that battle. And he said, yeah, battle ready. And and I thought, you know, great, great statement right there. Be battle ready. And that kind of became the essence of this effort to help men in particular. But it's really grown to men, women, people of all ages. I've got 80, 90 year old women who come up to me sometimes, you know, and say or they'll email and comment. I pray my rosary every day. I'm battle ready, you know, or, or, or young teenagers who will say, you know, I, I've needed to hear something like this for years. I want to be battle ready. So we've, we've seen it really cover all different areas, but it's really to be prepared for the fight, body, mind, and soul. 
And ultimately, mm-hmm. number one, you got to be aware of what's going on. Number two, you got to prepare for it. You got to train. Number three, you have to engage. So it's aware, prepare, engage for this fight, body, mind, and soul. That's the essence of what it's about. And really, let's stop with all the highfalutin over-intellectualizing or even over-spiritualizing some of this stuff. And we do. We do that a lot. You know, I just put a post out. In fact, time we record this, I put a post out on my Facebook page. It's, it's, it's going to get me in trouble in some other areas. I know that. But it's all right because it's already happened. The fact that we've had the USCCB congratulate Joe Biden. Um, and Joe Biden turns around and, and just says he's, he's going to go ahead and reverse so much of what President Trump has done regarding uh, protecting the unborn. Now, that one key issue alone has been so ignored and so mistreated in our world. And it's by largely men, bishops, priests, cardinals, you know, and, and I pray for them every day in my daily rosary. I do. But boy, we, we need to be doing what Archbishop Fulton Sheen told us. We lay people need to be holding our clergy accountable, lovingly, respectfully, yes, but also not, not pulling punches or mincing words, not in a way that's uncharitably attacking, but let's call it like it is. The silence when it comes to preaching on some moral issues is not what a true man does. Okay, the complicity or the uh, congratulating, especially at the time we record this, we do not have a ratified election and so forth, and yet they're jumping the gun. All these things are, are, are part of the bigger problem, and a lot of it revolves around the leadership of men, both the laity and the clergy. And if we're going to preserve our freedoms, preserve our faith, preserve our church for, for generations to come, we have to be a, a, a greater, more heroic man in the world today. Amen. Amen. You know, I like the, the fact that you talked about, you know, 80, 90 year old women and, and you know, the young people getting involved and in becoming battle ready. Everybody can be battle ready. Right. Everybody. I mean, whether it's praying that rosary every day. Um, whether it's, you know, Knights of Columbus. I, I asked Father Skip Thompson in an interview that I had with him prior to the election, what do you see, where do you see us going and how can we get ready for that? I love the question because it's a topic that I, Every day of my life, I either speak about, I post on it, I do a video on it, or I analyze it in some way, um, or in some ways, you know, you're battling with people in one shape, you know, or form regarding this particular topic. Where are we going? And I say there's, you know, different directions. Obviously, we don't know the mind of God, but we do know that there have been warnings from heaven, and specifically through Our Lady, um, where she has said that if man does not repent, you're going to have some serious consequences. The key to Japan, 1973, fire will fall from the sky if man doesn't repent. The good will die with the evil. Even priests will die. It'll be so devastating that those who are living will envy those who are dead. In Kabiho, Rwanda, 1981 to 89, she appears to Alphonsine and then two other visionaries, two other girls for several years in between there. And she shows the visionaries in 1982 images of the genocide that ended up taking place 12 years later. And she says that this is a result that God allows because of man's sin. Nearly 1 million people are killed in a three-month time period in 1994 in this genocide in Rwanda. These are devastating, I mean, devastating things that God allows because of our sin. In 1917, when she appeared in Fatima, she told the children that World War I would end soon. This was on July 13th, but that if man did not stop offending God, there'd be a second war, far worse than this one. 21 years later, World War II breaks out, 1938 or so. 
So we see these prophecies of Our Lady, and we see what happens. God allows these natural consequences of wars and natural disasters and things of this nature because of man's sin, and that's been clear. Even the flood was a natural disaster, if you will, back in the times of Noah, and it was due to what? God allowed the flood to destroy the earth because of man's sin. So it always comes back to this key point, whether or not we're going to honor God. And that first that famous passage in Corinthians about if man, if he repents, if he turns his heart back to me, if he turns away from his wicked ways, I will heal his lands. Well, mm -hmm. notice everything that has to happen before the healing begins is we have to choose of our own free will to reject sin, to turn away from sin. Now, all that being said, are we doing that? So what I think is coming will be largely determined, as heaven has said, by what we decide to do. We're sending heaven a message. And we send heaven a message every time we elect our officials to run our country or, or whatever country you're in. We send heaven a message by whether or not we're going to respond when Our Lady says, you know, pray the rosary, pray it every day. But many people don't want to do it for whatever reason. And that's a whole nother topic we could get into about, oh, I'm too distracted. I'm too tired. I don't, I just don't feel it. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think old ladies in funerals, I've heard all these excuses. <laughs> You know, it's incredible. It's the most manly, most powerful thing you can do as a man, number one, is to pick up the most powerful weapon that we've been given as, a, as far as sacramentals and, and pray it like you mean it, like a warrior, like with that kind of intention and spiritual leadership. But again, we're sending heaven a message that will determine largely where we go. Now, it was said, um, and Father Andrew Apostoli said this one time on Life on the Rock, that it was revealed to Lucia that World War II was shortened by about two years. God allowed it to be shortened. He he intervened by about two years because of people's response spiritually. People prayed, people repented enough, and God allowed uh, you know the, the war to end two years earlier than it would have been stretched out to. That's an incredible thing to think about. I think of Fatima in 1917 on August 13th when the children were kidnapped by the government. They were threatened to be boiled to death in oil if they didn't reveal the secrets that Our Lady was talking about. They wouldn't do it. They were eventually let go. A few days later, Our Lady appears to them and tells them, God is very displeased with what happened to you. And because of that, the miracle that I will work in October will be much less spectacular. And it was pretty spectacular. 70,000 mm -hmm. people see the sun spitting in the sky. They can look at the sun with their eyes and not be burned and so forth. Again, the point is, heaven pays attention to what we do. Now, that's one of the reasons I've been trying to you know, shout this from the rooftops, and I know others who have to. we got to pray the rosary. we got to turn from evil. We got to repent. As my friend Father Heilman says, we've got to be in the state of grace and fight to stay in that state of grace. And if we do this, we send heaven a message. Heaven may give us less. Well, in fact, Our Lady has said in different ways you cannot avoid the chastisement that's coming, but you can mitigate, you can alleviate the degree of it with your prayer, sacrifice, and conversion. Now, mm -hmm. on a natural level, I'll say this I think because of the response we've had so far in general, we're in for something big, and I think it's going to be hard. I know we, it's been prophesied by our Blessed Mother of a Third World War. That was in Cuapa, Nicaragua in 1980. Mm. On October 13th, the anniversary of the last, uh, the last apparition in Fatima, Our Lady tells then, um, uh, uh, well, I mean, he became a priest. Uh, Father Bernito, uh, Bernita, Bernito uh, became a priest later on, Martinez, uh, Father Martinez, excuse me. Um, but at the time, she told him, he was still the sacristan, that because of your lack of response to my call for conversion, you are hastening the arrival of a third world war. So we've been prophesied that we'll have another war. How bad it is? A lot of that's in our hands. 
But I do think it's coming. And I think we need to prepare on a spiritual level and on a physical level. And I'm very big on this. And a lot of people don't like to hear this in the Catholic Church or in the Christian world. We need to be prepared physically, tangibly, temporally, because we are physical beings. We need to be prepared to defend, to protect food, water, the whole nine yards. And I put out a course on this, emergency preparedness course. We talk about self-defense a lot. We teach it from the perspective of the Catholic Church. It really bothers a lot of people, but there's a lot of more people out there who are very excited and thankful because I think in our gut, we get it. Yeah. We know we need to do these things, especially us men. If you've got a wife and kids and, and grandkids, you know you have a job to protect and defend them. And mm -hmm. no one wants some bad guy to kick in your door and hurt your family. I always say, look, you got to have a plan to deal with a bad guy, whether it's a spiritual bad guy or a physical bad guy who's cooperating with evil. But you've got mm -hmm. to have a plan. But in, I guess in general, who knows what's coming with regards to the degree of it. But we're in for something. We are in for something. And I believe it's going to be hard because Our Lady has warned us of this. And whether it's the fire falling from the sky, no one knows that yet. But you're looking at the writing on the wall the direction things are going with regards to, you know, biting one and to overturn certain directives and, and laws and so forth. I mean, we are setting ourselves up for socialism in America, which has already crept in. We're setting ourselves up for a lot of serious conflict. And I think it potentially could become very bloody. Well, St. Faustina was told by Jesus himself that mankind will not know peace until they accepts his mercy. Mm. So it, it, it speaks to everything that you just said. Um, Fatima and Divine Mercy are my two devotions that I, awesome. that I have. Well, I, I share October 13th is my birthday. So, Oh, uh, very cool. Yeah. So uh, it is a very special uh, devotion to me. That's awesome. You, you talk about physical readiness. Um, yeah. As a former infantryman, um, I know that you, you need to train, you need to get those, those, that muscle memory. So when it really matters and when it counts, you don't panic under fire. So maybe, maybe you, you have a regiment that you uh, would like to share. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, as the saying goes, and you know, this, if you've been in the military, you know, you know, in a crisis, you will only almost always, you only rise up to the highest level of your training. I mean, whatever you've been trained in. I mean, and I love it when I hear people say, you know, eh, it's, you know, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, size of the fight, the dog. It's like, yeah, I get that. However, if that dog has a lot of fight and he knows how to fight, mm -hmm. he's in a lot better shape than just having a lot of fight, but not knowing really how to fight. So mm -hmm. let's don't just excuse that because I hear a lot of men say, oh man, you wouldn't want to mess with me. Oh no, no. Yeah. I mean, I, oh yeah, I'll come off that couch and I'll get you <laughs> come off the couch. <laughs> You know what? And I always put it this way. I say, look, you know, if you're trained body, mind, soul for spiritual or physical attacks, because you take seriously that there are people that have been given to your care, wife, children, or just friends, family. You know, if you're, you're, a, you're, you're a young man living at home with your family, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. there are other people in your life and you are ready at a moment's notice to engage. You are more Christ-like than ever because mm -hmm. Christ didn't sit back and get soft and lazy. He was ready to go at a moment's notice. Even when he was retreating back into the mountains or the hills and the people would follow him, he went out to the people because he, at one point it says in scripture that he, he wept because they, they were like a, 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 you know, sheep without a shepherd and he went to them. 
So being ready to go to the crisis, go into the situation is important. You know, as a soldier, then that, you know, the, the true soldier runs toward the sound of gunfire, not away from it. All right, these are very, very powerful statements. You know, you don't fight, you know, for, uh, you know, for what's, uh, what's in front of you. You fight for what's behind you, who you're protecting and defending. You know, you, you fight for the man on your left and your right. I mean, all this has to do with the relationship of being ready for others. And that's a key part of this. Mm-hmm. Now, a regimen to get ready. I tell men all the time, I tell people all the time, but especially men, number one, you got to get that prayer life in order. You've got to be in the state of grace to the best of your ability, and you've got to fight for that state of grace. Get to the sacrament of confession. Be spiritually in tune with God. Pray that daily rosary. Add other devotions and prayers. You're going to find, like in your case, Fatima, or excuse me, Faustina and the Divine Mercy, which is amazing and excellent. Um, I have that. I also love the Auxilium Christianorum prayers, which are spiritual warfare prayers put out by Father Chad Ripperger. Um, I, he's an exorcist. Um, I also believe, you know, we've got to be fasting. I try to do a little bit of fasting at least six days a week. And when I say fasting, I mean, I may not eat, uh, an entire meal may skip a meal, may skip two meals. Um, I may eat half the meal I was going to eat, may skip the dessert I was going to eat. Um, I may eat 15 minutes later. In other words, you're finding ways to sacrifice. You're finding ways to suffer a little bit. I say we got to be uncomfortable, a little uncomfortable, body, mind, and soul, a little bit every day to keep ourselves sharp, to be on edge, okay? Study the faith. Know what's going on. Know what the teachings of the church are. Read a little bit at a time. Um, We created something called the Magnificent Seven, the Mag Seven, which really we didn't create, but we kind of put them together. And it's Mm -hmm. the Ten Commandments, the Corporate Works of Mercy, Spiritual Works of Mercy, Cardinal Virtues, Theological Virtues, Gifts of the Holy Spirit, is that seven? And the Beatitudes, that's seven. Those seven things which our Lord says we need to live, all right, are essential for a magnificent life. But if you try to live the mag seven, magnificent seven, all right, you will have you will you will find yourself on your toes. All right. So that's all that spiritual and mental prep right there by studying the faith. Start with the mag seven. Most people don't even know the Ten Commandments, and yet our mm. Lord told the rich man in Matthew 19. If you don't follow the commandments, you can't enter into heaven. So that's pretty darn critical, right? And second to that is we study the faith. We deepen the faith through prayer and sacraments, Eucharist, confession, and of course, rosary, reading scripture and this and that. You add to that, but then on a physical level, all right? And this is what gets a lot of people. In fact, I'll say this. I've spoken at hundreds of men's conferences, probably, I don't know how many, over the years, over 31 years almost now. And there's almost regularly at least if not almost always there's an image of a knight and a shield and a sword they love to use the image and i think that's great Mm -hmm. and i would say to guys that's a great image you do realize that the knights who wore this knew how to use this so it's not just the look of a knight it's are we really prepared to engage in the battle like a knight you know some of my favorite stories are grandmaster john lavalette the knights of malta 1565 the siege of malta in particular 50,000 estimated Muslim Turks against approximately 800 Knights of Malta and about 9,000 militia made up of Maltese and Spanish men. That was it. So you have about 9,800 approximately. So say 10,000 against 50,000. And these mm-hmm. Knights of Malta, they were trained. They, their life was consecrate my life to, our, to Jesus through Mary and train for battle. And that was their existence and they preserved the island of Malta for five or six months until reinforcements were finally able to be brought in. The Muslims wanted to own Malta so they could use it as a launching, as a staging ground to launch mm-hmm. into Europe and destroy Christianity. 
these men took it upon themselves at their time to be spiritual men and physical warriors. I say to any man out there right now, you've got to have a plan. You've got to learn how to fight. I'm a big guy who believes, not big as in size, I'm a big believer in learning how to, how to understand firearms, Second Amendment, train well, train from people who know what they're doing, train smart, train in a way that says, I'm doing this so that I'm prepared in case everything hits the fan, I'm ready to go. If you're not a guy that's willing to pick up firearms and learn and train with that, at least learn some hand-to-hand skills, understand the use of pepper spray, bear spray. Look, you've got to have an idea on how to engage in, in some sort of physical conflict, whether it's a bad guy that breaks in your house, someone tries to mug you or your family in the parking lot, or civil unrest. And if anybody right now thinks for a moment that this country couldn't be turned completely upside down with civil unrest, they haven't been looking at the news, in particular Minneapolis, Portland, Seattle, Louisville, Kenosha. We go down the line for the mm-hmm. last five, six, seven months. And the excuse, and it was an excuse, we know this, was the George Floyd incident. Now, God rest the man's soul. Nothing against that situation. I mean, obviously, what they did was wrong. But the fact that it was used as a catalyst, that was the catalyst to blow up this problem and start burning and looting and hurting. And, and many people have died. You know, police have been hit in the head with bricks, run over by a truck, all this kind of stuff. And our country, many men in this country still sit back and say, I hope it doesn't come here. Now, we know that gun sales are up, firearm sales are up, ammunition is hard to find. And I say this, if you're one of those people, okay, God bless you. Do it the right way. Do it the morally correct way. Be grounded in God, in prayer, and so forth. You've got to understand the moral foundation of that. But man, if you're not training, you can become Mm -hmm. far more dangerous than if you didn't have a gun, if you're going through life with a gun, but you don't know how to use the gun. So you've got to be responsible enough to train. You would understand, I know as a soldier is, I mean, it, 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 that's a pretty serious thing to have in your hands. And if you don't know how to use it, you can run into some pretty serious problem. And a lot of good people can get hurt by good people if there's no training involved. So regimen-wise, spiritually, physically, I mean, spiritually, you know, mentally, you've got to train in the faith, understand morality and so forth, pay attention to the signs of the times. But on a physical level, you've got to train and be prepared, especially when it comes to if a crisis hits, do you have extra food? Do you have extra water? Do you have medical? Do you have shelter planned? Do you have people you can work with to develop a team? Like I've got several people, different places I can go in town and out of town. I've got several places in different parts of the country. If I had, if the country got torn apart with a civil war, and that's very that's that's possible. It's very that is possible. a fear. That's a fear I have. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is that, is that that's going to happen? Yeah. It, and I guess if it does, I mean, I, it, you know, you probably have thought of this, but I tell guys all the time, you've got to have created some friendships, some alliances with other people because you, you're not going to be able to handle some things on your own. You know, I mean, there's a great piece out there called one year in hell and it was, it was, it's on YouTube and it's audio. It's not a video, but it's audio. And it's about 17, 18 minutes long, the particular one I'm talking about. And it's a recounting of a man's life in during the Bosnian war in the mid nineties for about a year, the hell that they had to live through. He talks about groups of 40 or 50 men roaming the streets, all right? You would see this, and they're looting, and they're robbing, and, and assaulting, whatever they want, because there's there's a mob of them. He said, we had no less than five or six guys armed and awake 24-7. If you didn't, you'd be overrun. 
And this is just human nature that is apart from God becomes diabolically beastly. And you need good men who are morally grounded, but know how to protect and defend, how to defuse situations, but also how to, how to respond appropriately if it becomes you know, violent and there's a, there's a force there. But we've also got to be thinking about water and food and medical. And this is stuff people just, they just don't think about. They think they're going to call 911 and someone's going to show up and save them. No, they've been defunded. Yeah, they have. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, so we put a course together, the Battle Ready Emergency Preparedness course. And, you know, and the goal behind it, people can get it if they're interested, they can check it out through our website, battlereadystrong.com. But we put this course together to try to help people understand through the eyes of the Catholic faith, understand Christian approach to this, that there is moral, not just, not just have a moral right, at times you have a moral obligation to be able to protect and defend and provide food, water, medical, shelter, and so forth. And I talked to Father Chad Ripperger, the exorcist, about this, and he said, he said, we absolutely have a moral obligation to this. It's just people who, who ignore that, they're presuming on God rather than cooperating with God. That's probably the simplest way to put it, is, is it's common sense, and you need to be thinking this way, especially with all the red flags we're seeing right now. I'd like to quote Alexander the Great, where he said, I do not fear an army of lions led by a sheep. I fear an army of sheep led by a lion. Hmm. Who are those lions today? I mean, because we have so many priests and bishops that are giving mixed messages. And how do we find these leaders that are leading us correctly? Well, the first thing I would say is you've got to look at the, well, the, you look at the fruit, obviously, but you look at the fruit of the individual life, I think. I think you've got to look at the men. You've got to ask the question, are they faithful to the teachings of the church? Now, it's hard to say, you know, this is, boy, this gets sticky for some. You want to say faithful to Rome, but you've got to be careful what you're talking about these days because there's so mm -hmm. much confusion coming out of Rome, the Vatican. So right. I say faithful to the church, faithful to the, the authentic teachings of the church, faithful to the Eucharist, faithful to Our Lady. If I find people that are that don't have a devotion to Mary, I'm far less likely to really be tr so trusting in in their idea of leadership, their idea of, of preparing for situations, physical or spiritual. Mm -hmm. Devotion to Mary to me is a key is a key sign. Devotion to the Eucharist, love of the Eucharist, love of the sacrament of confession. People who want to get their souls right with God, those are mm -hmm. key parts I think have to be in there. So when I hear bishops and priests preach and talk, but if I don't hear you know Marian conversation. I don't hear devotion to Mary, the rosary, the sacrament of confession, mercy. If I don't hear that, then, then I'm, I'm much more reluctant to really embrace what they're saying. You know, so when it comes to the clergy, that, those are key signs for me. When I hear priests, like my friend, Father Heilman, you know, he is, we, we did this podcast, the U.S. Grace Force, and he is on fire for devotion to Mary, on fire for confession. In fact, I've had many conversations with him on the phone. He's up in, in Pine Bluff, Wisconsin. And so I'll be on the phone with him and all of a sudden he'll stop and say, Doug, I got to go. I got a confession at the door. And he has 24 seven. If you contact him and say, I need confession, you come to his rectory. He's mm -hmm. got it set up where he's got, he actually on his office door in the rectory, he has a, a panel cut with a screen on it. So it's anonymous and you just come in the, the little doorway, the little uh, foyer of the house and he closes that door and there's a kneeler right there. And people just go to confession at, right by his office door. That's the type of priest, that's the type of bishop I'm talking about who embraces the need for the sacraments, the Eucharist, confession, rosary, devotion to Mary. Now, mm -hmm. when it comes to laymen, look, there are guys that I've worked with, trained with. I do regular training down here. We do firearms training. We do some basic workouts. 
Um, I want the guys that are really willing to get gritty, get dirty. We have a sand pit. It's an excavated area behind the Knights of Columbus Hall here in Tyler. And we work out there. In fact, we were there last night, 7 p.m. to 8.30, roughly. It was dark out. We throw stones. We, we, you know, you're laying in the sand. You're doing workout with the stones. You're flipping tractor tires. I mean, those guys that are willing to come out there and do this week after week after week after week, no matter what the conditions, those are the guys that I count on. And I mm -hmm. tell these guys, look, if everything hits the fan, you're showing me and I'm showing you right now that I, if, if I'm a spiritual man, prayerful, um, and my language is, is good, am I keeping my language clean? What's my conversation like? If you can count on my moral groundingness, groundedness and my faith, and you see me working out hard and training, then we know when things push comes to shove, things get tough. We've got a good idea. We're going to be able to rely on each other. And I think those are the things you got to look for. I hear guys all the time, and I don't want to sound too critical here, but I got, I forgive me, I got a bit of an attitude when it comes to this stuff because I've seen so many guys out there give me the glory day story. You know, oh man, you wouldn't want to mess with me back when I was 20 years old, man. I'd, I'd kick your backside. I was, as they're sitting on the couch with a big old beer belly and a bear in their hand. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I mean, God bless you, you might be the nicest guy in the world, but if my family is in trouble and I need to send them to someone for protection, I want to know that you're the type of guy that's willing to fight for them. And you need to know that I'm that type of guy. And I've said this at men's conferences, you know, with a thousand guys in the room, guys, look, I want you to know that you could count on me. I want to know why I can count on you. And we're going to know that not by what we say to each other on one moment at one moment in one day, we're going to know that by how we live as we train and work mm. together over time. And you know, that as a soldier, you know, the guys you can count on when you go through basic training, you know the guys that, that, that really are going to bust a gut to get things done right that you think, okay, in battle, this is a guy I'd want on my side. Yeah. Then you're going to look at other guys and say, I don't want that guy on my side. <laughs> yeah, I had a bunch of good guys in, in my unit. Uh, they, they weren't always the cleanest. They didn't have the shiniest boots, but they were the hardest working. Mm -hmm. And I think you can tell a lot by a guy's um, work ethic. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, and that's what I mean by like with the sand pit, there's a handful of guys that have come to this sand pit. And as the, as the days, as the week went on and the weather got a little cool, cooler in the evenings and we're in Texas, it does not get that cold here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was doing this type of workout when I was up in Nebraska, you know, when it was 20 degrees outside, I was still outside flipping a tractor tire, you know, for, for, you know, a quarter mile or something, 200 tire flips or whatever it is because I just wanted to show myself I could do it. But I also wanted my sons to see it. And I wanted my wife to see not as a show off principle, but that, you know, dad will stick to it. Mm -hmm. He's not going to back down. I tell guys all the time, you've got to be ready to go through a wall spiritually and physically for those that you love and those that are entrusted to your care. And we want to know this about each other. I, I think, I don't know about you, but I want to know, that you're that type of guy. You want to, I'm the type of guy, because if push comes to shove and your family ever ends up in my care, mine, yours, man, I want to know, Hey, he, he's got this. He's mm -hmm. going to spiritually pray for him. He's going to get a priest for him and he's going to fight for him physically. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the thing. When, when you hear the stories of Rwanda, for example, that genocide in Rwanda, people don't hear this point. They hear that nearly a million people were killed in 30, in, in three months, excuse me, 90 days. And the way they killed them was primarily through machete, but I was giving a talk on this in Virginia and a man in the front row stood up and he said, I was there. 
I was an army sergeant. I had 20 men under my command. Our job was to bring two 600 gallon water purifiers into the region because people were dying within three and four days from cholera. He said it was brutal. And I saw, he said, I saw several fields of literally thousands of bodies dead, brutalized, machete, beaten to death, bludgeoned with stones or choked with ropes. It was that barbaric and brutal. But one thing they hear they don't talk much about is the over 500,000 estimated women as young as eight, they say, and as old as 80 that were raped, oftentimes repeatedly genocidal rape. Now, that's the kind of stuff, along with the, the bludgeoning and the murder that, that is just unspeakable. What man wants to think that he's not prepared to protect his loved ones, especially the ladies in his life, from something as horrendous as that? And also to know, I, I got half a dozen guys I can call in a moment here in Tyler. And because of our training and working out for over a year together, these guys will come in an instant and several of them fully armed and they will fight for me and my family and they know I'll do the same for them. This is the sort of training I think we men need to be doing more of. Now, right away, some are going to say, oh, he's a warmonger. That is not what this is. This is based on the church's teaching of legitimate self-defense Three paragraphs mm -hmm. in the Catechism, 2263, 64, 65. We go over this extensively in our, in our training course, the Battle Ready Emergency Preparedness course. We have gone through this. We have another course we offer called Battle Ready Coalition, which people do monthly training with us. And we talk about self-defense, spiritual training, physical training, getting in shape, changing your diet, eating better, being healthier, stronger, clear, clarity of the mind so you can meditate on prayer. You can think better. These are critical things. So we have these two courses we offer. One is a monthly course and one is a one-time course through our website, battlereadystrong.com. But you know what? The reason I even did these courses is because of everything we're talking about here. So mm. many men, so many men and women, but especially men have become lazy. And I, this is not a, it's not a put down. It's just a fact. We become mm -hmm. lazy, out of shape, and we have not taken this seriously. When a man says to me, yeah, I don't worry about self-defense. I'm just going to call 911. I say, what? Well, <laughs> How long does it take for law enforcement to get to your house? Even if it's two minutes, you know how much damage can be done in two minutes if someone's in your house? Yes. So you've got to be ready, folks. you got to be ready. You know, I'd really like to open that up to Dave Imhoff. I, you know, uh, something I, I, a couple things I noticed. Yeah. You know, this is um, audio will be audio when we do the broadcast, right. but um, we, we can see each other right now. And I see behind you, uh, uh, Doug, that you have a, a sword. Yeah. Um, and uh, you mentioned Knights of Columbus. Uh, what what uh, are you involved with the Knights of Columbus? I, I don't think that's a Knights of Columbus sword, but uh, tell me about the sword and, and your uh, and, you know, what organizations you're involved with. Sure. Yeah. The sword of the wall behind me here. This is an actual replica of a Crusader sword. You know, the Crusaders, you got to love them. They've got a bad reputation, but that was partly because King Philip of France was really, really jealous of them. They were a very powerful force at the time. And there was a lot that was fed into the into the, the the media of the day, if you will, that really trashed their names. And these guys were put on trial. And a lot of them were tortured into certain confessions that were not true, not legitimate. They just they they buckled under the pressure of the torture, you know. And then years later, a lot of them were exonerated. But as a force, the the Crusaders, you know, were were really at the root men who wanted to protect and defend. And so this. This is a sword that it's a it's a replica of one of the Crusader swords. There were different versions. That was, was just one of them. 
And, you know, the Crusaders started based on the idea that there, there were actually nine former, um, former knights from the Crusades, okay? And this Crusader sword, I'm sorry, the Order is the Knights Templar. Forgive me, the Knights Templar is who they are. But they're former Crusaders, and they formed the Knights Templar. And there were nine of them, the story goes, who just did not like seeing so many people harmed on the road as people were traveling to and from the Holy Land. And they said, not on my watch. That was their attitude. And I love that attitude, not on my watch. And they said, we're going to do something about this. And they formed the Knights Templar. These crusaders formed the Knights Templar. So the sword hangs on the wall um, really as a reminder to what, what, I, what I know I'm supposed to be as a man in my day, not on my watch. Now, I am a third-degree Knight of Columbus. And the Knights of Columbus are a they're a great organization for so many reasons. There was roughly 2 million Knights of Columbus throughout the world. It's like a sleeping giant. Now I'll say I've met many amazing Knights of Columbus. I've also met many not so amazing Knights of Columbus. And I say that in all charity, look guys, if you're a Knight of Columbus, we got a job to do. And it's not just selling Tootsie Rolls and flipping pancakes. That has its place. You raise money, you help support the parish. That's amazing. That's phenomenal. A lot of pro-life work is done through the Knights of Columbus, but there is also a side of us as Knights that needs to know how to care for others in other ways. And one of the things that really I, I find concerning about a lot of Knights of Columbus is we don't take care of ourselves very well. In general, a lot of Knights get a little bit on the softer side. And I think if we're going to be Knights, we need to be talking more about what it is to take care of ourselves as Knights mm -hmm. and have that understanding of that physical component. Um, not only is it important in case we're called upon and we need to do something physically, whether it's fight, defend, protect, or physically, for example, in Puerto Rico, my, my son-in-law went down and he's a videographer and he did some work with the Knights of Columbus in Puerto Rico after hurricanes, a couple hurricanes came back to back a couple of years ago. And he went down there and did some footage for a documentary and he was amazed. It made him want to become a Knight of Columbus. And he, I, think he, I think he went through with it. And what he saw were Knights of Columbus who every day were getting up and they were going to some of the hill country in Puerto Rico, hot, just, just no water. I mean, the, the, the power lines were still cut. The majority of the island still had no power grid on it. And they were taking food and water to all these people. And they were physically engaging by climbing mountains, places where they had to just walk to get to because it was so remote. They were physically involved in providing food and shelter and drink, basic corporate works of mercy for all these people. Well, you got to be in shape to do that. Mm -hmm. So I say to Knights, look, we need to be in a position to understand that being a Knight doesn't mean you just go to a meeting, a council meeting once a month, sit around, talk about the budget, have a beer, and then decide who's going to be, you know, flipping, you know, pancakes or, or fish fries at, you know, the next parish event. I think those events are great. I've worked at them. I've, I've taken part in them. I think they're fantastic, but there's other aspects of being a Knight of Columbus I think are important for us to be thinking about. And I've had a lot of Knights of Columbus come up to me over the years and say, hey, Doug, I just liked your talk that you gave at this conference. Would you give this to the Knights of Columbus? I said, I'll give it anywhere, but especially Knights, because as mm -hmm. men, let's get ourselves in better shape. Let's be better prepared spiritually, mentally, and physically so we can do, do what we're called to do, live our vocation more thoroughly. So yeah, the knight, the, the sword back here, and I got a shield on the ground back here as well. And uh, I like the shield too. It reminds me, you know, that we are in combat, you know, and as uh, Pope Leo XIII wrote in Christians as Citizens, the encyclical back 1891 or 90, 90 or 91, 
He writes in Christians as Citizens, moreover, the Christian is born for combat. We're built for this. We're made for this. But that silence on the part of the good only emboldens the wicked. So we cannot be silent. We need to be trained up. We need to be prepared. We need to take it seriously. And it's going to vary from person to person in some ways. But all of us should be taking care of our health. In fact, paragraph 2288 in the Catechism says you have a moral responsibility because life is precious. You have a moral responsibility to take care of your health to a reasonable degree. This stuff isn't even talked about sometimes. So for not just us men, but for all Christians, let's let's take care of the temple, the Holy Spirit. Let's maintain the temple, I like to say. you know, And then let's also, especially us men, have a plan, be prepared, be trained. And things like this sword and the shield, they're here all the time with me, and they're constant reminders that that's, that's my job as a man in this world. So uh, one quick follow-up. Uh, um, you may be familiar with the uh, booklet that uh, Bishop Amstead from uh, Phoenix wrote, Into yep. the Breach. Into the Breach, yeah. And the video series that the Knights of Columbus produced. I mean, uh, it's more of a spiritual uh, approach and not as much physical as you're talking about. And, you know, you, you need both. And I, I, I agree, you know, body, mind, spirit. Um, but uh, any comments on, on that series? Are you familiar with it? And Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, we did um, uh, for an episode, uh, we have a, a show that we do for EWTN called Battle Ready. And we did an episode where we went to, we flew to Phoenix and we interviewed Bishop Olmstead. We talked about Into the Breach. We talked about, you know, why he wrote it. He wrote it really for the men in his his diocese. And it, it you know, exploded and went all over the world. And I, I think it did because it addressed really one key thing about men is that we, we understand, we connect with the idea of stepping into a breach, filling the gap, being that, that defensive protection against evil. And he did say, yeah, it was primarily, you know, to be focused as a spiritual effort. But in the, in, the, in the episode that we did for EWTN, he made it clear the physical side of this is part of it as well, just as the man must physically provide for his family, a roof and food and water and, and uh, you know, medical care, you name it. It really falls to the man to do those things. It also falls to the man to have the physical defensive side as well. And, and you know, for most of us, that's going to be rarely, if ever, used, if ever. Okay, we hope and pray, you know, that it doesn't mm -hmm. have to happen. Spiritually, that is a 24-7, 365 job to be the spiritual protector defender. Spiritual head of the home, engage in the battle. You know, the demons de despise a man when he is on point. When he is engaged in the battle, when he takes up that rosary, when he fasts every day, when he or do, does something, mortifies his senses, you know, when he's engaging in the battle by getting to confession, when he's doing these things and really challenging himself to grow spiritually and also physically, the demons are bothered by this. They're angry over this. And I've heard this from exorcists who we've interviewed who've said this. But Bishop Olmsted was very adamant about this end of the breach is a duty for men to have that something inside that says, I will do this. I will step up. I will engage. It's very much I, like I say, as I mentioned earlier, the King David DNA. You know, all the all the you know Philistines are on one side, and you got the army of Israel on the other side, and you got Goliath out there, you know, beating the chest, you know, let's go, mono mono one one. Whoever wins, you know, the other army becomes a slave of and so forth. And no one wants to step up. And David just says, I, I can't take this anymore. And he says, I'm gonna do this. And what his whole his whole mindset, if you read the scripture, is you know, 
this guy is mocking the the god of israel's army here this this is not right so he was bothered by the mockery this wasn't just a i'm a macho guy but he wanted to step into the breach he wanted to step in and make make the point that god could do this so number one he wanted to defend the honor of god and is the israeli army because this is this is god's people number mm -hmm. two he trusts god god's going to do this but number three he used his skill he had to know what to do with the sling and the whole idea of the sling, he hits Goliath in the head with the sling and he drops him. But before Goliath even hits the ground, it's, it's really kind of implied in scripture that David is running towards him. He draws Goliath's sword and he cuts off Goliath's head and he holds it up for everybody to see, here you go, who's next? He carries it back into the tent and shows Saul. I mean, this is incredible. I think there's a King David DNA in every man. And I think that's kind of what I think very much what Bishop Olmsted was getting at by saying that men need to have that in them that says, not on my watch. You're not going to you're not going to mock God. You're not going to attack my family. You're not going to whatever my role situation is. If you're a priest, you're not going to mess with my parish. I'm ready to go. But David knew what to do on a natural level, as well as recognizing the spiritual component first. Many people trust God but they can't even get up and jog around the block or they trust God, but they, they, you know, they don't work on their communication skills in their marriage. Maybe I do a lot of marriage talks. I see a lot of situations in marriage where, Oh, very prayerful, but they can't get along. And so there's, 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 that's a different level of being able to work on your skill set. It's not just physical and defense and fighting. We hope and pray that never has to happen but I want to have it in case it does, because if it does happen, you may use it one time in your life, but that one time in your life may save your life or others' lives as well. It's like having smoke detectors. I always say, we bring this up in our preparedness course. You have smoke detectors. You want to make sure the batteries are fresh. You might never need those smoke detectors, but if you need them even once, that can mean your house is on fire and that smoke detector might save lives. So same idea with a skill set with defense and protection. But it does all begin, as you mentioned, with that spiritual side. And that is the key because that is a 24-7 battle. 365, we're attacked by the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we need to be spiritual warriors, but also have the physical component in place so we can be more of a complete man, more of a complete Christian in general, man or woman. I think our wives need to know that we will lay down our lives for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think, and you know, the funny thing about that one, I would say is, is there a lot of men out there who, who say they will. Um, but, and I always say, I like to follow up and say, okay, you lay your life down for your work. That's awesome. I said, but the goal is to not have to die. The goal is to know how to fight. And I've had many women say to me over the years, yeah, teach my husband because he's a good man. I know he loves me, but I don't want him. If he ever gets in a fight, I don't want him to lose. I want him to win, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, you, you, you want to know what you're doing. And, and so, I, in fact, there was a, I was at a conference one time, a men's conference, about 1,000 guys in the conference. It was up in Indiana. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, South Bend, Indiana area. And 1,000 guys. And I said, all right, guys, I want you to shout out. Do you love your family? Yeah, yeah, we love the family. I said, okay, would you fight for your family? Yeah, yeah, we'd fight for the family. Would you die for the family? Yeah, yeah, we'd die. We'd die for the family. I said, what happens to the family after you're dead? And it was very quiet. <laughs> And then I said, okay, so what do you need to do? And one guy in the back of the room yells out, learn how to fight. I said, yeah, <laughs> there you go. That sums it up. But you know, you're right. Our wives need to know that we will do this. And so my wife sees me when she, she knows I'm praying the rosary or I, I say to her, okay, let's 
let's pray our rosary today, or hey, we got to let's get the confession this week, you know, and it's been a week or two, or we try to go over at least every couple of weeks or so. Um, let's, uh, let's auxilium Christianorum spiritual battle prayers, or um, hey, sweetheart, you know, uh, whatever, maybe there's some sort of spiritual interaction between us. She needs to know I'm doing that, but she also needs to know when I go work out, you know, I got the weights in the garage or I go shoot with the, you know, on, on, on Saturday morning with the guys or whenever I go, you know, I'm, I'm training, I'm training tactically. I'm doing these things. She knows why she knows mm -hmm. that I'll fight for her. She knows I'll go through a wall for her, you know, and I, and I, and I train her, she knows how to shoot. She knows how to protect and defend herself because, you know, I might get taken down and she may have to come around the corner with that 12 gauge pump action and send a message, you know? And, it, and so I train her as well. Plus, I don't ever want her to be hurt if she's out on her own and someone tries to hurt her or any of my kids. So it's a matter of helping other people be better protected and safer in this world. Basic self-defense, you know, head on a swivel, you know, situational awareness. You're looking left and right. You're paying attention to your surroundings physically and especially spiritually. We've got to be men with that DNA and, and we've got to show our wives and our kids by the way we train, by the way we pray, by the way we take care of ourselves, by the way we live, that we are ready to fight for them and die for them if need be. Absolutely. Well, Doug, I married a Sicilian, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, so and, and, I, and I'm Irish. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, <laughs> don't ask about that stuff. <laughs> but if, but a funny story is um, I'm a surveyor by, you know, that's what I do for a job. And when I was living in upstate New York, there was an incident in the, uh, the condominium complex that we were staying at. There were five guys that came out and were around me. Okay. And they were, they thought I had done something to one of the, one of these guys' cars. And I hadn't, I was just out cleaning out my truck. Well, having my machete there from, for work, I, I felt okay. Mm. And I was, I was ready to, you know, defend myself if I had to, but all of a sudden I hear what the hell's going on here. And it sounded just like my wife and it was my wife. And she came out and neutralized every single one of those guys uh, with just, you know, her sweet personality, but she was not taking any crap from these guys and she wanted to know exactly what was going on. But now here I am, I'm worried about her getting hurt. Sure. So, She's got the courage and the backbone, but you know, and that may have been, you know, if she sees her husband, you know, I love it when, when I hear stories of women, when they see their husband being, you know, in any way threatened, you know, they're outnumbered, you know, they, they love enough to engage somehow. Those mama bear claws come out. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and it may come to that one day, you hope and pray it doesn't, but boy, I, I want my wife to be ready for that. Uh, you know, Doug, um, battle ready is on EWTN. Tell us more. Tell us when people can see that. Yeah, Battle Ready, a TV show we do for EWTN, uh, airs on Monday nights, and then they, they broadcast it once or twice more in the week, and the schedule's always changing, so I don't know when they encore it, but um, you know, you just go to EWTN's website and check their schedule to see when it's changed. But Monday evenings, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time, is my understanding, or is, is when it airs. It's, it, it's, it's on Monday nights, I know that. Mm -hmm. And it's one of five different shows that really kind of targets men. That's really one of the main reasons they put it together. Mm -hmm. um, there are other shows each week or each night throughout the week that also do this. Now, the funny thing about Battle Ready is when we started doing the show, um, EW10 was, was excited. You know, we're going to do the show. Uh, you know, once I got off Life on the Rock, they actually came to me and said, would you be interested in starting your own show? And we're going to have Father Mark go off and do something different from Life on the Rock because he and I co-hosted Life on the Rock together. And I said, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd be, I'd be honored. It's a great show. Great. That was a great but, show. 
Appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, we eight years. I got to do that. It was just a real honor, real, real pleasure to work with Father Mark and be down at the network so much. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, Battle Ready, we, we started doing this show and um, we found out very quickly that even though it's got a name like Battle Ready and it definitely has more of a lean towards kind of the masculine approach of things, an enormous number of women watch this we hear. Mm -hmm. It's actually very, very popular with a lot of ladies. And part of the reason is because a lot of them, and I know this, um, they get it. They understand the spiritual battle. They understand that we are in a war and we need to treat it like that, that we need to be fighters spiritually. And women mm -hmm. are more intuitive to that in general. Men are more physical and tangible, and that's by God's design. And when we work well together, it's a great combination. Mm -hmm. um, but another reason a lot of women like the whole battle-ready message in the show is, they tell me this, is because they they want to get their husbands to watch it. And to them, they see it as in a way to help their husbands be challenged in a, in a more masculine physical way to be a Catholic man that, that doesn't just think, well, the holier I get, the more I pray, the more passive and soft I have to become. And that's what some men have told me. I don't want to pray the rosary, Doug, because it's just going to make me soft. It's going to make me weak. And I say, no, it's complete opposite. You're misunderstanding it. It's like, ah, well, you know, and it's because that's how it's presented to them. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the idea of actually a show like Battle Ready, um, we talk about the rosary a lot in there and we treat it as what it really is. It's a spiritual weapon. One of the episodes we did, we addressed the Blessed Mother's influence in a man's life. And there was a great quote that I heard and simply put, I forget the exact words of it right now, but the, the quote refers to the influence that the Blessed Mother has in a man's life and that the Blessed Mother tames the brute in every man and elevates the warrior the mm. true warrior so the idea that the closer we come to the blessed mother the more our our weaknesses you know we're drawn maybe to the impurities of life or the secularism or security in my bank account over trust mm -hmm. in god and surrender and detachment and these things can really destroy men and yet we're more we're, we're so prone to them and yet the Blessed Mother comes in and she, when we really let her into our lives, she can take those things and she can really order them. And then hopefully we become more the warrior minded individual, but we don't become the pacifist necessarily where everything is fine. And I'm going to lay down and go belly up soft, you know, when evil approaches spiritually or physically. In fact, it should be the opposite. We become more of the I'm digging my heels in. But I'm not even just sitting still. I feel like I've got to get out into the world. That's what you guys are doing with the podcast. That's what I feel like I'm trying to do with our, our podcast and our, our uh, Battle Ready mission is, you know, we we all feel called, don't we, to go out and storm those gates of hell, as is mentioned in Matthew 16, that the gates of hell will not prevail. Well, gates don't, don't offensively attack. Gates restrain. And I love the expression of that is that the gates of hell hold people back. Our job is to go tear them down by the grace of God and free people from the oppression of sin. And mm -hmm. so the Blessed Mother, I think, does that very much in our lives. And Battle Ready is a TV show that has really hopefully illustrated that point and, and tried to elevate that point. And it's amazing how many, again, women we find all over the country, you know, when I travel, go places or comment through email, they'll say, oh, I love the show. You know, again, I'm 60, 70, 80. I'm a woman, but I love the show because... They get it. Mm -hmm. You know, another great place to, to follow you on is, uh, is Facebook. I, I get your, you know, I follow you on Facebook. And um, I think that your, your posts are, are 
really, really necessary right now. And well, there's a lot of good that. facts. And, and I don't know if you get fact checked or anything like that from Facebook, but there's a lot of good facts and, and a lot of good places for you to just start to, to look into these different mm. things that are going on. I appreciate that very much. I get fact checked periodically and I, I'm actually, you know, joking around. I'm thinking, I told my wife, I want to apply to become an independent fact checker. So, you know, these, <laughs> this whole independent fact checking thing, I get a kick out of, I'm thinking, and who are they? Where do they come from? And are they, are they fact checking through Wikipedia? I mean, what are they doing to fact check these things? Right. Oh man, it's a riot, but uh, it's, it's, and that's an area of the battle is the whole social media. We've seen that with the election and all is, is there is such such a, a, a major impact that social media makes in the world. We have, as Christians, we have got to be out there. We have got to be engaging in this and we've got to do it relentlessly, you know, because we can't just sit back and rest. There um, are documents in Vatican II that require us to use our time, treasure, and talents yep. to get out there and do this. Right um, on, brother. Absolutely. We, we, so, it's a responsibility. It's an obligation, especially in these times. And I, and I have to say, I, I love what you're doing with, you know, social media, you know, the show, you know, TV show, uh, you know, all the conferences that you go to. But I, I want to just say that the greatest social media that we have is that one-on-one -on -one interaction with another guy, mm -hmm. with, with, with just being that example to our sons, to, you know, our children, being willing to lay down our lives for our wives. Right. You know, Doug. Absolutely. I agree 100% with that. I, um, I gotta say, I was looking at the analytics for, for this podcast and, um, we're, we're starting to gain some ground over in, in Great Britain and, nice. but you're, we're, you're wearing an Ireland hat Yep. and we are doing very well in Ireland. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, yeah, my, my family's from, I mean, ultimately Barry, the last name Barry, it actually traditionally was O'Barry. So mm -hmm. very Irish, you know, so I've got yeah. I'm half Irish pretty much. And then the rest is made up of other European stuff, you know, sure. a little bit of English, a little bit of German, Norwegian. I got a little bit of Viking in me, they say, eh, I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Ireland, I, I, I've been there once uh, for, for a conference I spoke at uh, phenomenal, uh, beautiful land over there in different areas. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, part of the family. Yeah. Well, I usually will close with a with an Irish blessing, and it goes awesome. like this. He goes, may your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Doug Barry, thank you for joining us. I appreciate the chance. I'm, I'm honored to have to be with you guys. God bless you and strengthen you for the fight, my friends. God bless, man.